When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I think it works really well for a small screen because in the darkness... It's really like, claustrophobic. Yeah, like in the darkness, watching that, like we, we watched it with the lights on, but I imagine like with the lights off in a dark house, and then after you turn it off and you just hear sounds in your house. But people you're like your that. Own. So oh I, guess, I guess that might be an argument why it would be good on a big screen. I, I personally very glad to see it at home. <laughs> yeah, it depends how much you really like terrifying yourself. Yeah. I'm quite into terrifying myself. It's Flixwatcher time. It's a four... It's an eight. It's episode 48. Today we are reviewing The Babadook. And today's guests will be Dave. Hello. Jen. Hello. And as always, Kobe. Hi, guys. So all films were available on Netflix at a time recording, guys. Just as a bit of a warning, there is some bad language and there will be spoilers. You have been warned. Hello and welcome to Flix Watcher Podcast. Today we are joined by Dave and Jen. We're going to be talking about the Australian horror, The Babadook. But before we do that, if you would like to introduce yourselves to our listeners and tell us about the podcast that you work on. Right, so I'm Dave uh, Pickering and I make a podcast called Getting Better Acquainted on my own and I make a podcast with my partner Jen called The Family Tree. Uh, Getting Better Acquainted is conversations with people, it's non-fiction and then The Family Tree is a magical, realist, dramatic fiction. It's a weird show, a little bit like the film we're going to be talking about today, which is a weird film. Jen. Uh, I don't really know what to add to that, really. Um, I'm Den. Um, I'm the other half of the family tree. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's a magical realist drama podcast, as Dave said. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I, I guess I, I thought this time I'm, I, I would do the introdu- introducing it, but I realise I've left you with nothing, nothing to say. Nothing else to say. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Typical man. Um, so we're talking about the Babadook today. Babadook. <laughs> Uh, yeah, don't, don't do that. <laughs> I might have to leave early. So can you let us know, Dave, why you chose the Babadook for us and what happens in um, the film? Well, I, I chose the Babadook because I've wanted to see it since it came out and I didn't manage to catch it in the cinema and it relatively recently came to Netflix and I thought that would be cool. Um, it's it's about kind of a, a, a magical realist idea. Uh, so that appealed to me because we make a magical realist show. And the other reason that I was interested in seeing it is because I thought it was a horror movie that Jen might actually like. Right. And there aren't very many of them around. And it's hard to persuade Jen to watch a horror movie. Uh, so this was my opportunity to persuade her to do so. 
and uh, it worked. She did agree, and uh, that's why that's why I chose it. Really, yeah. It did work. Wait, did you feel coerced into it because oh, this, no. is, this was Dave's choice for Whoa. the podcast, so you no. had to watch it? No, there was a shortlist. There were many okay. things I could have agreed I ob- to. I obtained consent first. Okay. We, we, I, I told her it was a horror movie. We discussed it. I told her the for premise. For some reason, the words children's book and magical realist just slightly weighted it in a different way than horror normally waits for me. And okay. those piqued my interest enough to go, oh, okay, as long as it's not too late and I don't have to go to work tomorrow. <laughs> Right, and it's quite a short film, so that also appealed. Yeah. Easy to fit in. But the question is, how many tea breaks? Were there tea breaks? Did this pass? No, I guess the tea break test. Uh, Although, in this case, I actually kind of did want to have a tea break. It's just that there was never a good moment to pause it. Right. Well, I didn't want to have a tea break because I was terrified and completely captivated by this film. Um, More than I expected. I don't normally get afraid watching horror movies, but this, like, ticked every single thing that really scares me. Okay, well, let's tell us what the synopsis is, Dave. Right, okay. So it's uh, it's about a mother and son, uh, so already getting very into my issues. Um, and it, the um, son is kind of a little bit acting out, uh, depending on your perspective on that. And the mum is trying to kind of get him to kind of sleep through the night and not play up. And uh, in, in in doing that, she is reading him stories at night. Uh, one night she reads him a particular story, which is a pop-up book, which is an absolutely terrifying pop-up book. And that brings this kind of alive, the idea of there being like a monster that's keeping him awake. And then from that point onwards, there's a lot of ambiguity in the way that the story is told, but I guess the mother starts to go slowly mad, you could say, although is she going mad or is she just like being taken over by uh, a magical spirit? The son also kind of plays up more, but is he playing up more or is he just reacting to a magical spirit? Mm. And then it just goes like full on horror uh, kind of quite late on. It's yeah. quite, like, for a long time, it's just unsettling in real life kind of ways. And then suddenly it kind of really hits you with the unsettling in, in every every so, sort of way. Um, and, and it has a happy ending, spoiler, um, which is rare, really movie. rare for a horror movie. Okay. Um, and I was so glad because if it had left me in a bad place, I don't think I would have ever been able to sleep again. Jen... So as a, on this side of the table... We've aligned ourselves, fans, haven't we? Yeah, and the non-horror peoples. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> what were your thoughts then? I really liked it. I did find it incredibly disturbing. It is exactly why I don't like watching horror. Um, but also I was really pleased to have watched it because I just thought it was a really brilliant film as well. Um, and I think like Dave says, the fact that it doesn't leave you scared at the end not that it's not i don't i think it's got hope i think that's the thing it's not solved it's not unambiguously a happy ending but it doesn't leave you like it's not like the end of the descent i've never seen the descent i mean you know normally at the end of a horror movie the monster comes back just Mm. for a flash shot like whether it's a hand or a face or whatever and that didn't happen. I think largely because the monster is sort of a symbol for grief and for dealing with a thing. And she does start to deal with the thing. So 
it becomes, it already is less threatening once she starts dealing with the... It's like, it reminds me of a book that I had, I can't remember the name Uh-oh. of, when I was a child. The Gagagook. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was a very friendly picture book. <laughs> and it was about a dragon who, uh, a boy who said that there was a dragon under the kitchen table and his mum didn't believe him and it was just a little dragon. And she kept, he kept saying it and he kept saying it. And she kept saying she didn't believe. And every time she said she didn't believe, the dragon got bigger and bigger and bigger. And eventually the dragon, well, he got so big, he lifted up the table, then he broke up the kitchen, then he broke up the house, and the house walked to Scotland or something. And then eventually she had to admit that she believed it and she could see it. And then he went small again. And it sort of reminded me of that in that way. Yeah, and and it is grief. Like the thing that she's trying not to look at is her own grief mm. uh, and the grief of her child as well. Like the, the son's grief is interpreted by a number of different characters as as being like something innate in him that's a, a problem rather than like a, a child dealing with grief and a grieving mother as well like he's getting a lot of like he's not getting a lot of the things that children need to get yeah um but everyone is blaming him generally uh, rather than her um and in a way part of the process is her recognizing that she's responsible to him and he's responsible to her like that's one of the things i really like about it even though it it really plays with uh, grief and trauma and and madness and all of these things they come through for each other ultimately even though you think they won't even though you think that they're going to damage each other these these two people they they find a way through this trauma um which i found very good from my point of view as someone who's experienced some of the kinds of trauma that is occasionally referred to in this film like it's it's really nice to see that in a kind of you know played out in a way where people yeah there's darkness, but they also, they they, they love each other. They, the love co- overcomes the trauma, right? In doesn't, a way. Doesn't I the think. son at one point say, I'll protect you, mum, if you protect yeah, me? Yeah, they so make that, that pact. That, yeah. Yeah. Um, Helen, you're a horror horror fan. Have you seen this before? I had, yeah. Um, when it first came to Netflix, um, it was like, oh, there's time to, uh, to, to watch this. Um, it's a really interesting film. Um, I think for, for quite a few horror fans, the lack of horror and and it's such a multi-layered clever film they didn't quite get it so it's it's a strange film for a horror fan i think um i didn't realize the first time i watched it that it was written and directed by a woman it's it's it's, yeah it's a and when then when you kind of know that it's even more interesting um I think I enjoyed it more the second time okay. round that I watched it. Um, there's just so many brilliant, brilliant moments in it. It's very creepy. Um, the performance in it from the main character, what's her name? Well, she's, her character's Amelia um, in it. She's great. And <laughs> as we'll find out when we come on to people's sort of responses on Twitter, I didn't find the kid that annoying. Mm. I know a lot of people have had real problems with him. No, but I didn't find him annoying. It's he, He's kind of meant to be a little bit irritating in in the way that you can kind of side with Amelia and everyone around you. Yeah. But he's not purposely annoying in that way. So try, try not to sort of get into, oh my God, this kid's really annoying because... I think that's the character he is. Right. I mean, he reminded me of myself as a kid in some ways, so I I, I obviously don't want to, like, write him off. Yeah. And uh, also just kids. I I definitely found the first five or ten minutes before we really got into anything going, 
Oh God, kids are annoying. <laughs> Rather yeah. than so that, kids annoying. For context, Jen works in a primary school, and I used to work with the under Those fives. Those are lovely children. Yeah, but and I used to work with the under fives, so we've both had quite a lot of experience of of, of troubled or problematic kids. Yeah. Um, and it, I thought that it did it really well. Like it, before the horror stuff started, it was like this is very well observed realism. It actually really makes you think about those children as well, actually. We were saying that, weren't we? Like, it, it really gives you an awareness of the context that might be going on for somebody that... Yeah, for the problem kid at school. I would hope that some people might re-see those problem kids uh, as a result of this film, although I don't know, because it's a very terrifying film, so you might just be too terrified to think about that. Because you've seen when, it before, haven't you? I've seen it before, yeah. So, with the kid side of things, I thought... For me, it wasn't the case of, oh, this is a child actor. This was an annoying kid's character yeah, in the film. Right. So I wasn't thinking, um, I wasn't against the kid at all. I just thought that the kid's got some issues that he's dealing with and that's the characters played and the kid, the child actor is playing it very well, playing him very well. Um, so I think, but I'm not sure if the people's reaction to him on Twitter, which we'll get to later on, was as a result of, they just thought he was an irritating kid or they didn't like the actor and the way he was, he was portraying right. the character. I'm seeing what when I watched when I rewatched Harry Potter like the first one, I just thought, oh, these guys are terrible. Well, they are terrible. I didn't like it. I mean, they are legitimately terrible performances yeah. in in the first Harry Potter film. Um, I don't think that this is on the same level as no. that at all. And there's a much younger child, so showing uh, showing you up, Daniel. Um, <laughs> but uh, but like, I get. I, you know, performances are a really personal thing. Mm. So some sometimes people chime with you or they don't. But I think the film wants us to not like the kid at, yeah. at certain points. Oh, yeah, definitely. And not like the mother at certain points. And it plays with both of those things. Like, your sympathies shift around between the mother and the child and the, the even the sister, like, the aunt ca character. Sometimes you kind of sympathise with her and other times you're like, whoa, I do not sympathise with you at all. And that's one of the nice things the film does in general. Like, and, and it does that with all of the characters. Like, the first time you meet the kind of authorities, you, you feel like they're, they're quite sinister. They're trying to split this family up the last time you meet them it's not like that mm. so that, that's that's one of the things i really liked about it. it it's quite like everybody's very rounded everything's very layered um which was really enjoyable which i don't think we're making this film sound as terrifying as it was though okay i mean so maybe go, i'm the only one who is really terrified let's go into uh, the no. terror thing <laughs> so i it was an interesting point you made helen about it's not scary or it's not a horror fan that horror fans would typically go into because i I really enjoyed this film the first time. And when you suggested it, Jen, I thought, yeah, I'll watch it again. That's, that's really cool. Typically, for my, I think my objection to horror films generally is not that I'd be scared by them. It's more that I think they're a bit naff in a lot of places. Right. And this wasn't... That's fair. This wasn't naff. This was like... It did... The first time I watched it, I was like, fucking hell. <laughs> yeah. Um, it reminds me of um, Don't Look Now. If, if I think of a horror film that I, I could compare yeah, I it to... That. For a long time, I've have seen it all. That's the one Donald Sutherland. That's right. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Beautiful uh, it is film. Like that, yeah. It is like that. That it? sort of horror that's kind of I don't even know how to describe it. Really, it comes out of real though. Yeah, yeah. It comes yeah. out of trauma as well. It comes out of grief. And They're both like it follows as well was one for me that I really really liked as a recent kind of horror film. Um, yeah, I mean, and I think it's it, it's a, it's a strange film because it, it reminds you of those kind of horror movies. It also reminded me a little bit, in some ways, of Candyman, mm. um, but but it also like speaks to like real films, like 
Room, right? Yeah. Like, I think Room is very similar to this film. Like, you know, a, a mother-daughter, well, a mother-son, rather, relationship and, and being sort of trapped in a location, in a house uh, and all, all of the trauma. The stuff that terrified me about it, though, was every... Like, it terrified me in every way. Like, it plays on the fear of having children. So, like, as, as someone who doesn't want to have kids because I don't want to pass on my trauma, it's terrifying to see somebody, like, passing on their trauma yeah. <laughs> to their child. Um, and, like, and I guess some of the most disconcerting parts of the film didn't actually involve the Babadook physically. No, it was, right. Often it was... We need to find out the boy's name, but... Him. Samuel. Sorry? Samuel. Samuel. So Samuel reacting to, to things right in the, in the back of the car when he freaks out. That's horrific. Right. Uh, and and but it also like as much as it also it plays on your fear of on fear of children generally like in different <laughs> kinds of ways. And that's something that horror movies do a lot. Mm. <clears throat> anyway, but it also plays a lot on fear of adults too right like there's there's terrifying adults doing terrifying things as well but then it also like it, it hits all my like real like there's a lot of like sounds in the house like there's like pictures moving like mirrors like something at the end of the bed like when i was a kid i had this like repeat uh kind of dream where there was a kind of white pale figure at the end of my bed right like which i now realize is it's it, um Sleep paralysis, it must have been. It's quite common that people see these weird apparitions when they're in kind of pa paralysed, half-awake, half-asleep half states. So it's like this film was almost like perfectly designed to specifically terrify me. Right. It's like every single... like like like, And also the other thing I really find terrifying is not being believed, right? You can see a thing, but no one believes you. And that, that's, that's what I mean about it being a bit like Candyman. Like th th that thing where like, like you know the truth, but everyone thinks you're mad. Um, but also like madness itself, is quite terrifying to me as someone with mental health issues who's, who's kind of spent time with mad people like it, 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 it's it's a it, it's terrifying to think of, of of that kind of state of like heightened reality where sure. you don't know what's real and then there's all the abusive stuff and specifically abusive mothers is like my my trigger of choice um like i say that like it triggers me but i also enjoy stuff about abusive mothers because that's how it is when you've had a semi-abusive mother <laughs> Helen, scary. So why was it not scary for you as a horror fan? No, 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 it is scary. Right. It's um, it builds on kind of the psychological terror right. and sure. the the performance in it from both um, the people who play Sam and Amelia are fantastic. And it's it's a very real kind of scenario, very real horror. Nothing seems slightly unreal, even the kind of elements where it's obviously not real. Like the um, there's bits where she sort of sees the Babadook, but it's a jacket against the wall, mm, yeah. things like that. It's I've never been classic so terrified of a horror. Hat. Yeah, yeah, and right. the a hat. hat. And that, that doesn't make sense to be terrified of a hat, but this film made me terrified of a hat. But any sort of horror, and obviously the questioning reality, and she's trying to stay awake and she can't sleep, and things like that. I I think it's it's brilliant. The, I think the own the only thing that doesn't quite work is when they have to reveal the monster it's not doesn't quite live up to the suspense and terror and the kind of the, it's not quite the manifestation that it's built itself up to be that's quite common though of yeah i mean that's yeah so that's thing, that's a horror thing but like with jaws for example yeah i mean it's and it's classically it's like the, the thing that ruined 
the first kind of it adaptation was the kind of showing the monster at the end but i i actually didn't feel that about this film like i i was satisfied it's only in mine because that's the only kind of thing i think when i watched it the first time in the same way that you would expect like you, you never really see the monster fully anyway the, what the monster is changes at every moment but i do know what you mean it is a little bit of a letdown I but guess. the second time round, that wasn't as much as an issue i think because from reviews and sort of word of mouth it had been built up to be oh my god it's amazing it's completely groundbreaking horror and then it kind of wasn't what I was expecting. Whereas this time round, I knew what the monster was and I sort of enjoyed everything else a lot more. Okay. Scary for you, Jen? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it was really the, for me, what really scares me is a sort of a lack of control, losing control. And what this really does well, I think, is it, it lets you as the viewer see what's happening really clearly while also completely understanding how they're not seeing what's happening completely. It reminds me of The Yellow Wallpaper by um, Charlotte Perkins Gilman. It's a very, it's a novella, I guess you would say. Yeah, it's a short story. And it's about a woman who um, has been, it's in, I think it's Victorian, and it's her husband's put her, uh, sort of sent her off to get unmad. Um, but it's that that makes her mad <laughs> and she's on her own in a wall watching in a room watching wallpaper patterns and you can see really well what's happening but you also can really feel that madness of watching the wallpaper grow into all these things and I think that does that and that terrifies me and also there were lots of noises and darkness and yeah it was actually it's terrible timing for us to see this film because we've currently got mice in our house <laughs> and so there's always weird little sounds and like as I, i'm a freelancer i'm at home all day so i'm always like being like freaked out by the weird sounds because i just hate weird sounds that i don't know what they are like i'm quite a i need to be in control of my environment i don't like <laughs> things messing with it and uh watching this now like it it means that like yeah that's those weird sounds in the house have just like turned up a hundred percent now. Uh, yeah, and also I think it's quite good for the small screen in that respect. Sure. Like I was surprised by that because I because th- it was so spoke of like Mark Commode championed this film when yeah, it came yeah. out and, and a lot of people were talking about it as a cinematic experience, which it is. But I think it works really well for a small screen because in the darkness, it's really like, claustrophobic. Yeah, like in the darkness, watching that, like we we watched it with the lights on, but I imagine like with the lights off in a dark house. And then after you turn it off and you just hear sounds in your house. But people like your that. Own. So oh I, guess, I guess that might be an argument why it would be good on a big screen. I'm personally very glad <laughs> to see it at home. Yeah, it depends how much you really like terrifying yourself. Yeah. I'm quite into terrifying myself. It's quite a hard thing to achieve, though. Yeah, this It's is not the, for the nervous right. <laughs> disposition. It, it, I mean, the, the fact that the, a lot of the horror comes from it being in a house mm. is, is what makes it kind of terrifying to watch on the small screen, I think. Did you find it scary, Kobe? Yeah, the first time I uh, definitely did. Um, I don't know how my fear kind of manifests in films. I don't really. I, I hate film. I hate horror films that focus on the jump scare to kind of get you scared. Um, but this kind of preyed on the this, this kind of impending doom and things happening. Yeah. Um, and I've never been more terrified, like say, of a hat just falling down onto <laughs> yeah, right. onto the floor or the cloak falling down. Um, but it was scary. I mean, I guess there technically are jump scares in this film. It's just the jump, the jump 
scares feel really earned mm. like and like you say they're subtle things they yeah. are like, i also don't think it i i see what you're saying about that and i think maybe that's one of the things i don't like about traditional horror traditional horror normal horror <laughs> common horror standard standard horror, horror mainstream horror is that um it's trying to scare you that's its point and yeah. i don't think that was the point here the point was to tell a story about a scary thing in a scary way but it wasn't to scare the audience per se yeah, the horror elements are less scary than the realistic elements, I think. And it's almost like having those horror elements kind of allows you to look at the, the real stuff better. Sure. I mean, that's what magical realism is, is, is trying to do, in my opinion. Like, that's what we try to do in The Family Tree, is to kind of, like, use the magical stuff to make the, the real stuff more real. And this film does that incredibly well. Should we head to the scores, guys? Yeah. Absolutely. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. So, uh, the Flixwatcher scores... All out of five. Um, if you feel the need to uh, have a decimal place, then you you can. Um, the recommendability score. So this is how likely you are to recommend it, and sort of generally, kind of how you how you feel about it. So because yeah. it's your choice, Dave, we will start with you. Right. Okay. Recommendability. It's a complicated one, isn't it? So like. Obviously, you wouldn't recommend it to people who don't like horror movies. You probably would check well, in. Well, I mean, you recommend it to Jen, and I'm someone who doesn't like horror movies. That's true. As well, and we, I wouldn't say converted, but it was uh, not unpleasant. That's true. It depends why they don't like horror movies, I guess. But it definitely, it's also something to check in with people about. Like, I'm someone who's experienced some of the things that this film's about, and... Uh, I enjoy seeing things about those topics, but some people won't. And so if you've got a complicated relationship with your mum or a complicated relationship with your son or you've got a complicated relationship with, with like, you know, so many things, yeah. yeah, with grief, if you've just experienced a grief, yeah, this film could heal you. It could be part of your grief process. It could also be exactly what you don't want to watch. So it's definitely, like, it's not a neutral thing to recommend to somebody. That said... Um, it is really super good. Like it's one of the like, it's a, you know it's a modern classic. I think you know in 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 years to come, people will still be raving about this film. So I, I guess I'm going to give it three point five. All right, Jen. I always have a problem with a recommendability score. I just I find I overthink it. Um, but based on the fact that I did like it and I don't like horror. I think that opens it out to being able to recommend it to people who think they don't like horror. Um, I just think, and it is really good in lots of different ways. I think I'm going to go four. Helen? I mean, Dave's right in what he said about everything, but I think, I don't know, I, have, I think I'm a little bit, I find the term horror film a little bit problematic <laughs> when describing this. Yeah, no fair. Um, just because it's not, I mean, it's got lots of thing, lots of kind of traits that make it a horror film, but it's kind of more of a psychological terror film, maybe. Yeah. Um, but this, it's so 
beautiful in the way that it's shot. Um, we haven't even talked about this sort of animation oh, yeah. in there as well. There's so many things and it's so multi-layered and the performances are so good and it's got so much in it that even in the first, you know, one watch, you don't quite grasp it all. That I don't know. I'm just going to give it a five. I think. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, if you watch it and it scares you, then it's kind of done its purpose. Maybe yeah, that's that's definitely fair. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to go on the three point nine route. I think. <laughs> Why um, nine? That's very specific. Why, why, why not give it the full shiny four? Why do things have to be so decimalised? <laughs> why do they have to be so discreet? They can be whatever. Because if it was like in currency, you'd just be like, oh, I've got this point, three point <laughs> seven <laughs> pence or something. Do you go to the shop and when someone says it's four ninety nine, do you think, ah! Yes. Why, yes. Not <laughs> why not five pounds? What difference does that penny make? Well, you know, it, it fools you into thing. thinking it's cheaper, and so three point nine <laughs> is what I'm going to go for. Because um, <laughs> I don't think I don't feel like it's a. Um, I wouldn't recommend it to that many people. I wouldn't. Uh, so there's a definite subset of people who I wouldn't recommend it to. Um, Maybe feel, anyone feel, under the age of twelve. But more than three point five. So three point nine is where I want to sit on the spectrum. I mean, it's, you should absolutely yeah. give it the rating you want to give it. Kobe. Sorry for decimal point shaming you. Yeah, god damn you. <laughs> um, yeah, I liked it a lot more than we, uh, you said about Mark Kermode champing in it, and he is probably the main reason why I wanted to watch it when it came out. Yeah. Uh, although I have seen some of the films he's really championed, which I've watched and thought that's actually wank. Yeah, uh, he's not that. Sometimes <laughs> he's, he's an right, interesting gauge. He's, he's, he's worth checking out do, if I you really love to, something. I do tend to side on him, but if it was, um, if he said I really hate this com this comedy, then that doesn't mean I I'd still give it a fair crack of the whip. But for him, he likes horror. He does like his horror, and he really went on about it. And I thought that that's what convinced me. Yeah, his horror recommendations are often the best yeah. The best of his recommendations, I agree yeah. with that. Um, repeat viewing score, Dave. Uh, was this the first time you watched it? This was the first time I'd watched it. I would definitely watch it again. I, I'm going to give it... F I'm going to give it five. I think it's going to always give you something. Like, uh, there's so many things in it. I'm mm. sure that you get something new every time you watch it. Jen? I'm really conflicted about this because I think there is so much in there and I would love to see it again in the sense that there's just so much to watch on the other hand i really don't want to be terrified for a while um and so i wouldn't certainly not something i would want to watch often and i it was something i would have to it would be the specifically right moment so i'm gonna go three helen i'm gonna go four so the, i've seen it twice now um i don't need to watch it like next week but um i'd definitely be up for giving it another go yeah mm. i go two and a half i'd probably watch it again can't don't know when. Um, wouldn't be averse to watching it again, but it's not going to be at the top of my list. What so. about let me be an immersive babadook screening? What, like the secret cinema? Yeah. I wouldn't go to that. I, I, I definitely <laughs> wouldn't uh, go to that, actually. Also, there's not many characters you play. Um, although, I mean, give me an opportunity to make the kids toys, his uh, weapons. Yeah, his weapons were really cool. Like we yeah. haven't mentioned that actually. Like there's a kind of home alone element to the weapon definitely. that he has, and th it definitely does that thing of like you know, y y y like with Chekhov's gun, like it is shot 
you know, like the, the, you see the, the weapon that he's built and it goes, like, it, it goes through a window early on and you think, oh, maybe that's the end of it. But it isn't. No. It isn't. And it comes back and it's all great. Um, yeah. Small anyway, screen small score. screen score, I think five. Like I said before, I think it's the perfect thing to terrify you on a small screen. I think more than most horror films I can think of, it's, it's perfectly suited to terrify you at home. <laughs> Jen? I think that, well, all the things we already said, really, about it being, um, I'm definitely glad to watch it at home. I definitely want to watch it on a small screen. That said, I think there were some really visually nice things about it that, although I wouldn't want to see them in the cinema, <laughs> it would be good to have seen them in the cinema. I think it did really interesting things with light, yeah. um, and that would probably be really impressive. It almost had three acts of light, I thought, like mm. with light, uh, a sort of a beige tone and then dark and then light when the hope came through and there was lots of colour things that would have been nice and probably the sound would be really good so I think you probably do lose something from watching it on a smaller screen even though I'm pleased to watch it so I'm going to go four for that one My my small screen score wasn't intended to imply that people wouldn't enjoy it in the cinema though <laughs> incidentally no. You don't have to apologise oh, yeah, We never I think imply. it would work for both for sure um, Helen I'm going to give it a four for a, kind of the same same as Jen, really. Um, watching it at home on quite a small screen adds to kind of the claustrophobic element. And because you're watching it in your home, it's a bit like when if you've ever watched The Ring on VHS. Mm. It's that kind of brings it very close to home. But also I would have liked the opportunity to have seen it at the cinema because I do enjoy a collective horror watching experience. I find them quite fun. Um, I'm going to go 3.75. <laughs> <laughs> just to annoy me. Just to, just, just to please myself. Um, <laughs> I think, I, I, I really like what you said there, Jen, actually. Um, when thinking about this the first time, it's, I think I could have just perceived it as like a, almost like a standard indie film where the story is more of the, of the film. But it is actually subtly beautiful. And, and subtly well um, set up in all the shot in a lot of the shots, like in the in the bedroom, for example, she's looking into the distance. It's a small bedroom, but there's like it seems like it's two two miles long, um, and that's where the Babadook comes out from when he manifests and and things like that. And things like when she's asleep and they're under the under the covers and things like that were really shot and yeah, that's lit. really brilliant. So. Um, it's not a flashy film, but it's very subtly, subtly beautifully shot. Subtly beautifully shot. Why not? Same complicated word forms. Um, so I think it would be quite nice on a small, on a larger screen. So I'm going to go for a three point seven five <laughs> engagement score. I mean, <laughs> I just looked at me with a I was dissatisfied face because you, you don't like decimal points. I mean, to point five is fine, but I don't know how you. In your I'm mind. an engineer, man. You can't. You rarely, rarely do you have. I mean, a, such a discreetly. Decimal points can be important if you're judging something that's actually people, rather than like if, if if all of the the film directors were sat on the table, like waiting for your scores, then you might want to give them higher marks. But like, you have to then still differentiate who's the winner, right? So, decimal points do have a purpose, I think, in in scoring, as much as. I, I also like a kind of definitive number. 
Speaking of does, which, does pi and phi and those irrational numbers do they freak you out? They're just. <laughs> I mean, you what's can't with give the, it a, the rest of the bit that isn't there? I mean, you can't give it a pi. Like I couldn't give Two it pi for. Pi. Have they? Really? Yeah. Was that for the film pi? <laughs> that's, that's the only. Yeah, that's the only time. Or, are you going to be acceptable to give it? Um, pi. Adam Buxton gave pi for a score, and someone else gave pi for a score as well. Right. I well, remember, so. I retract that. You can't. You can give pi if you want to. Um, <laughs> Engagement of course, score, though. <laughs> uh, everyone can do what they want to, as long as it doesn't hurt other people. So, uh, right. Engagement, I'm going to give it a five because I was absolutely engaged at every moment with that film. It might be specific to me. As I say, it's like a particular tick box of my own personal terrors. Um, but I think that it's probably a bit more universal than that. I think it is really engaging. Even if you don't enjoy it, I think you'll be engaged by what you're seeing. Yeah, I'm going to give it a five too. I thought it was... Um, I didn't wonder at all. It was a really beautiful film, really terrifying film, really engaging film. Helen. I think once you get kind of if you if you're into this from the start, then there's no way that you're not going to stay engaged through all the way through because of the way that it it builds tension and it builds the story. If you if you're sold on it from the beginning, you're going to stay with it. Yeah. Um, second time round, because I'd seen it before, I wasn't as engaged the first time round. So being faithful for that, I'm going to give it four point five. Yeah, I'm I'm along your lines there. The f the first time. Yeah, if you're with it, after the first 10 minutes, you're in it. Yeah, and it uh, just you're just sucked you're just in. sucked into it. Uh, the second time, I, I kind of, I, I don't know why, but I broke it across two sittings, not because I was scared, but just because that's just how my time kind of rolled. And that did break the concentration. And also, I guess, I, I think I was waiting more for certain things to happen than to let it envelop me. So I think for subsequent, for the reason of subsequent viewings, I'm going to give it um, 4.1 for engagement score. But the first time it was well up there, I guess. Um, and we get a score overall of 4.14, which is... That's a pretty solid score. Good. Yeah, anything over four is... Yeah, it's very good. Very good in, this, in, in the Flix Watcher score. In, the, in the world of our scoring. Absolutely. Shall we uh, see what oh, yeah, people on Twitter, see what Twitter are saying? Say. So um, when we uh, record, if you are following us on Twitter, then we will sort of say what we're going to be recording and uh, it's your chance to give us a little review and a little star there as well. Yeah. We always have a nice little gift for you as well. Yeah. So we said to people on, on, on Twitter... We're reviewing The Babadook. Have you seen it? We'd love to hear your thoughts and include them on our podcast, Flitzwatcher. If so, give us your five-star rating, a short review, and retweet as well. Um, so, Dave, do you want to take the first one? Uh, that's, that's, uh, name the podcast and... Yeah, uh, that's the Skip to the End podcast said, Great horror, but the kid is the most annoying kid in cinema history. That ruined it for me. So two stars out of five. See, that's what I was saying before about kind of your general horror fans. I'm wildly generalising, but that sort of came out um, as as one sort of side was like, yeah, his kid was really annoying and it wasn't really that scary in the end. I think there are much more annoying kids yeah. in yeah. the history of, of, of cinema. Yeah. I respectfully suggest that to you. Even uh, I watched Home Alone listener. again recently and I was like, when I was a kid, I loved Macaulay Culkin, but rewatching again, I was a bit like, you're a bit of a dick, mate. Jen, do you want to take the next one? Uh, next one's from Josh Hickman from At Reffing Movies. 
He says, an enjoyable twist on the traditional family haunting tale. The use and neglect of music creates a sustainable sense of terror throughout, while superficially rotating the mirror to assess our own personal demons. Child a bit capricious, but ably held together by Essie Davis. There's his name. Four stars. That making the that's most of the 280 yes, characters. Yes, that's yeah, a very that's long a review. Very it, thought out. It's a good review, though. Yeah, absolutely. Um, do you want to take the next one? Helen, shall I take this next one? Um... I'll I'll do this one. This one is Mark James at Mark James Poop. One star, and that's for cinematography. Oh, Mark, what didn't it do for you? I know, yeah. A Beardo Talks film, Captain Beard 93 says, the real horror is the child. So fucking annoying. Kind of interesting concept on grief. Nowhere near the hype it generated. Two out of five. So there is a bit of a backlash against people hearing it's the best film ever. And yeah, yeah, that uh, happens. I mean, that's what happens with films. I think you're either going to love this or be a bit kind of like annoying or not quite what you were expecting. I think there is there is often that thing of people coming to a an some property new without any foresight and making their own opinions up but if someone says this is the best thing ever and it isn't for you then it obviously you downgrade it a fair bit i mean uh, i wonder as well if if like when people are being annoyed by this child if if it's like not a kind of some in some ways like sometimes it's a little bit of a kind of clash of like the film want is is comfortable with the child annoying you and that's so that's a kind of deliberate thing. Mm. But like if you're not kind of thinking that's what the film is about, then that might be like a, an annoying thing for you rather than something that you embrace. So I wonder if there's something in, in that about the responses that people are having to the um, child. Next one, Dave. Uh, um, okay, this is from, from Scheitgeist. Yeah. Good name. Friend of the show. Scheitgeist Pod. Uh, imaginative, unsettling, but also a thoughtful and mature mediation uh, no, meditation on loss and depression. Loved how it shifts your sympathies between characters throughout. Four stars, minus one for Shrieking Kid. Yeah, see. That's like why, uh, that's, you know, that's a plus for me. An Shrieking extra Kid is a plus. The Shrieking Kid is an extra star, yeah. <laughs> uh, Jen, next one, next. Uh, Sudden Double Deep at SDD Film Podcast said, yeah, I gave it a three, definitely didn't live up to the hype. And the last one we have on the list, uh, Helen. Shall I take that on? So that's Michelle Kerr at McPooler. I take the kid being that aggravating to highlight the mother's plight and to blur what could have been exaggerated by mental il- illness. Effective four star. And I think I'm just going to say one last thing about the, the, the kind of by the end of it, the roles have reversed a little bit. So he becomes less shrieky and erratic and and she more. she she does that more yeah. so i think if if you did really enjoy it but you find the kid a little bit annoying maybe watch it again because i thought that the first time round and and the second time round completely changed how i watched it sure right it's definitely one of those movies mm. where once you know the story you can see different sides yeah. to the earlier parts yeah. and i think that's a bit of a key and that um i think you said it earlier on where they said they'll look out for, for each, each other, other. yeah and, and she doesn't sort of, yeah exactly and then they do and then you do see that change in behavior from him guys um i think we should wrap up there <laughs> um let us know where we can find you online all the places on the internet uh we are at family tree pod on twitter and we're uh at the family tree 
podcast.co.uk online or you can find The Family Tree at uh, anywhere that podcasts go to hang out on the internet. I'm also at Getting Better Acquainted. You uh, .co.uk or anywhere that you've type getting better acquainted into your podcast search engine of choice um, and you can find my my other stuff that I do at Dave Pickering Storyteller.co.uk where's your website Jen? Uh, <laughs> on the spot moment <laughs> I think it's jadamthwaite.co.uk and Try it. <laughs> yeah, and you can find me See on See what happens let us know <laughs> Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Goosefat101 and you can find Jen on Twitter. At J Adams White. She knew that one. I know. Fantastic. That one. Thanks a lot, guys. Thank you. Thanks very much for having us. Bye. Bye. Cheers, guys. You were just listening to the latest episode of Flix Watcher Podcast. Thank you to Brendan Russell for his sublime editing skills. Mighty people for the tunes you can hear right now. Please do come to iTunes and find us, like, subscribe, share with your friends. Find us on Twitter at Flix Watcher Pod and our website, flixwatcher.tv. 